Tell me who hath believed, hath believed our report, and to whom is it revealed, the mighty arm of the Lord. Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church here in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. John Newton was an unusual preacher. His parish was in a small town in England, consisting of about 2,500 mostly poor and illiterate folk. His sermons were unique compared to the other preachers. They were sometimes considered coarse and unrefined. He spoke about his experiences, making his life personal and as one of the people, unlike most of his peers. He became very popular and they had to increase the size of their church for the crowd that would come to hear him and he was asked to travel and preach in other areas also. What were some of those experiences that he shared before he became a minister? John Newton was born in 1725. His mother died of tuberculosis when he was just six. His father was a merchant and at sea. At 11, John joined his father aboard his ship as an apprentice. After his father retired, Newton went on to become a midshipman, but he soon received the reputation as being an insubordinate and a defiant man, a master at cursing. He renounced all of what little faith that he did have. He went into sin and rebellion, describing himself as one of the worst. Because of that rebellion, he was forced into the British Navy and then deserted. He was then caught, flogged, and demoted, and through circumstances, ended up working on a slave ship. He was almost starved to death, chained at sea like one of the slaves, became a servant to one of the slave traders, and was brutally treated. His life was spared only when a sea captain that had known his father recognized him. While in 1748, while in the North Atlantic on a ship, the Greyhound, he found himself to be in a violent storm. Newton watched a shipmate being swept overboard from the spot where he was standing just a few moments before. The ship was in peril and looked to be lost. Newton and another shipmate tied themselves to the ship's pump while they were working to get the incoming water out of the ship. As he proposed this to his captain, he said, If this will not do, then Lord, have mercy upon us. These words were true and went to his own heart. Newton then later returned to the deck and steered the ship for the next 11 hours. During his time at the wheel, he considered his circumstances and the words which he had spoken and even prayed. He later shared that he believed God spoke to him through the storm and that grace had begun to work. John Newton considered that day the day of his conversion, and that was May 10, 1748. In time, he would leave the slave trade, marry, and become a minister in the town of Olney. He became close friends to a man named William Cowper, a poet, and between the two published a book of hymns. The first edition printed in 1779 with Newton writing 280 of the 348 hymns. According to Newton, unconverted sinners were, quote, blinded by the God of this world until mercy came to us not only undeserved, but undesired. Our hearts endeavored to shut him out until he overcame us by the power of his grace. 
That statement is truly reflected in one of John Newton's hymns. That hymn has become one of the most popular hymns of all time. Amazing Grace is here ministered as Amazing Grace the Chains Are Gone by Paul Peters. Listen to the song and the words and let God minister His grace to you. sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught Amen.
amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see, was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. I'd like us to turn to Luke 2. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. Here an angel appeared to the shepherds, announcing the birth of Jesus, the Christ, telling them where they could find him. And then after that angel announced the birth, we see in verse verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace. Goodwill toward men. Peace. Why did it take a multitude of the heavenly host to announce peace? Because for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, there was no peace. There was no peace. There was no peace between God and man. Is there peace between God and you? Is there no peace between God and you? Do you ever wonder why? Did you know that that can be reconciled? Did you know that that can be fixed to where there is peace between you and the Father? And I'm going to show you how. First off, I'm going to show you why there is no peace between you and the Father. Let's go to Isaiah 59 verse 2. It states, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your iniquities. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Not that he cannot hear, that he will not hear. Let's listen to that verse again. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So now we see why there is no peace between you and the Father. How do we get that peace back? How do we get peace between the Heavenly Father and us? I want us to turn to Isaiah 53, verse 5. It states, But he, and it's talking about Jesus on the cross, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. This is talking about Jesus. And it's talking about what happened to him on the cross. And we see by this verse that he was wounded for our transgressions, our sins, If you go to Isaiah 52, verse 14, you will see that his visage, Jesus's visage on that cross was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of man. 
Every bone of Jesus was out of joint. He was marred more than any man had ever or will ever be. Why? Because your iniquities, my iniquities, your sins, my sins were on that body. They were on that body. Our sin was on the body of Jesus. And it says he was bruised for our iniquities. And this next part, the chastisement of our peace. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. What is that word chastisement? You know, if you look that up on Strong's, it means discipline. Our discipline. You know, we as parents discipline our children. It means chastening. It means correction. It means instruction. You know, the, the instruction, the discipline needed, the chastening needed for our peace was upon the body of Jesus. Do you see that? Do you see that the Father, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, is no longer mad at us? He is no longer angry with us. You know why? Because he took it out on Jesus. He took it out on Jesus. The discipline needed, the chastening needed, the instruction needed, the correction needed for our peace was put on the body of Jesus. He took it out on Jesus, folks. He took his anger, his wrath, his correction, his instruction, he took it out on Jesus. You say where? On the cross and in hell. If you read Psalm 88, verse 7, it states, Thy wrath lieth hard on me. This is Jesus talking in hell. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me. Thou hast afflicted me with all thy ways. Why? Because what was necessary to bring peace back between the Father and you and I, he took out on the body of Jesus. He took out on the soul of Jesus. Jesus experienced the wrath of God in hell for us. Why? So we could have peace. So we could have peace. That is where our peace was made. Let's take a look at Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, therefore referring back to chapter 4, therefore being justified by faith. Justified. And we talked about justified before. Justified means exactly what we learned in Sunday school just as if we had never committed the sin. Just as if we had never committed a sin. Therefore, being justified by faith, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we get that justification? How do we get to the point where we have faith that we've been justified? We trust in what happened to that body of Jesus when he was on the cross and when he was in hell. We trust that. We believe in that. We cling to that 
when it doesn't feel that way? Do you know you could wake up in the morning and not feel like it's morning, but that does not stop the sun from coming up. That does not stop the sun from doing its job. Why? Because the sun is a whole lot stronger than your feelings. Do you know that the word of God is a million times stronger than the sun? Do you know the word of God is there forever and the sun won't be? Do you know the word of God states that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions? He was bruised for our iniquities? That the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed? Do you know that that word of God is forever? Do you know that that word of God is a million times greater than your feelings? Do you realize that your feelings have nothing to do with this? What you believe, what you trust in has nothing to do with your feelings. What you trust in, what you adhere to is the word of God, even when you don't feel like it. So even if you don't feel like there is peace between you and the father, you trust in, you adhere to, you believe. You state with your mouth, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is how you believe. That is how you trust in. We cannot go by our feelings. Our feelings aren't always true. Our feelings lie. But what we can trust in and what we can adhere to is the word of God. Like I shared before in Romans 3, 7, if the truth of God has more abounded through my lie unto his glory. So we trust in what happened on the body of Jesus on the cross. We trust what happened to the body, the soul of Jesus while he was in hell. We trust in that instead of our feelings. And what does that do? That manifests that truth. And you begin to feel the peace. You begin to understand the peace. First you believe. Then you feel. You don't feel first and then believe. You first trust in and believe. And the feelings will follow. That is the gospel. That is how we believe. And what is the manifestation? There is peace between the Father and you. There already is. There already is. You just have to believe it. What is the miracle power of God? Do you have to be some bigger-than-life preacher to see the power of God? No. The only thing you have to do is believe. And how do we believe? Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We believe the gospel. You know, years ago, one of my children came home from school on a Friday afternoon with a very sad countenance on his face. 
His teacher had told him that he needed to come tell me he needed to see a dentist about his tooth and have it surgically removed. You see, the adult tooth had come in, but the baby tooth was lodged in his upper jaw and it would not move. It stuck straight out. My son was a little nervous and a little embarrassed that the teacher had talked to him. And I said, John, I understand, but the first thing we're going to do is pray. So we sat down and I stopped and said something like, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to heal his mouth and loose that tooth. And then both John and I thanked God. He went on to play. The next afternoon, my son came running up to the house calling my name. He had his fist out and a big smile on his face, and I could see there was some blood on his lip. I said, oh my, what's up? What happened? Mom, he said, I was playing with my friend and my football, and I bounced it onto the sidewalk, and it came back up into my face and hit that tooth, and the tooth popped out. Oh my, I said, did it hurt? Not at all, Mom. Not at all. You know, I'd say that's a whole lot less pain and a whole lot cheaper than going to a dentist. Thank God for the gospel.
just heard the My Girls with This Is My Desire. And I would like to finish the program with an old favorite, Just a Little Talk with Jesus, done here by the Water of Life Quartet. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above. And just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let us a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our trouble. He will hear our faintest cry. He will answer by and by. You feel a little prayer will turn in. And you know a little fire is burning. You will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. I may have doubts and Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. I go to Him in prayer. He knows my every care. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell Him all about our trouble. He will hear our faith. Talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our trouble. He will hear our faintest cry. He will answer by and by. You feel a little prayer will turn in. And you know a little fire is burning. You will find a little talk with Jesus. for joining me and the musicians from Water of Life Church. I would love to hear from you. You may reach me by email at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, at Kathy Davidson, W-O-L dot com, or you may write me at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, P.O. Box 861327, Plano, Texas, 75086. You may find me on the Internet at www.kathydavidsonwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.